This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. It's Wednesday, January 31st, 2024. Here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. Democrats work on obstructing Republicans' efforts to send impeachment articles against Alejandro Mayorkas to the full House. I'm John Stolnes in Washington. President Biden says he has decided on a response to the weekend drone strike in Jordan that killed three Americans. Sagar Magani, Washington. The DA in Fulton County, Georgia, won't testify after all. That's a criminal offense. I'm Clayton Neville. I'm Julie Walker. A Florida man accused of killing a retired priest was shot to death outside his family's home by police. On Wall Street, markets are on pace for a winning month on this last trading day of January. I'm Jessica Ettinger. A Minnesota man who posed as a package delivery driver has been charged in a horrifying home invasion homicide. I'm Jennifer King. Plus, eight feet of snow will tell you who got walloped. All ahead on America in the Morning. When the day started yesterday, it was expected two articles of impeachment against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas would be voted out of committee and sent to the full House for a vote later this week. But Democrats on the committee made sure there would be no quick passage. John Stolnes has more from Washington. Democrats on the committee spending hours introducing amendments to the two articles of impeachment being marked up, all of them voted down by the majority Republicans in an effort to delay the foregone conclusion of a vote in the committee to send the articles to the full House for a vote later this week. At the start of the day, Republican Chairman Mark Green laying out their case against Mayorkas. He has willfully and systematically refused to comply with the laws passed by Congress and breached the trust of Congress and the American people. The results have been catastrophic and have endangered the lives and livelihoods of all Americans. The ranking Democrat on the committee, Benny Thompson, arguing Republicans have failed to make a constitutionally viable case to impeach Mayorkas. Republican members of Congress sworn to support and defend the Constitution are rejecting the framers' clear intent and over two centuries of precedent in favor of a sham impeachment. Throughout the day, long amendments detailing what Democrats believe were the political motivations of Republicans engaged in the impeachment were all read aloud by the court clerk, voted down, appealed, and then tabled. California Democrat Robert Garcia. This is all about trying to get Donald Trump reelected. Donald Trump himself is saying he wants no solutions this year out of the Congress. And Secretary Mayorkas and President Biden continue to offer solutions Around a quarter of a million illegal crossings were recorded along the Mexico border last month, a record, with most of those detained released into the U.S. pending claims of needing protection. Republican Clay Higgins of Louisiana. We're losing our country down there, and the man responsible for executing that policy is Alejandro Mayorkas. Democrats are accusing former President Donald Trump of obstructing a border deal in the Senate in order to keep the border crisis front and center during the presidential campaign. Earlier in the day, House Speaker Mike Johnson was asked by reporters if House Republicans are running immigration policy through Trump. No, Manu, that's absurd. We have a responsibility here to do our duty. Our duty is to do right by the American people, to protect the people. The first and most important job of the federal government is to protect its citizens. We're not doing that under President Biden. A full House approval of impeachment articles is likely, though not certain, and should it move to the Senate, almost certainly would not result in a conviction. John Stolnes, Washington. 
President Biden says he's decided on a response for the weekend drone strike in Jordan that killed three Americans. As Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports, the president also said he'll be on hand when the remains of three American soldiers killed in that drone attack return to the U.S. In a word. Yes. But the president gave no details on what the response will be, nor if this one may prevent more Iranian-backed militia attacks on U.S. forces, since past ones did not. We'll see. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says to expect an appropriate response. Not just a single action, but potentially multiple actions. The balance is in sending a strong signal to the militias while not triggering a bigger conflict. I don't think we need a wider war in the Middle East. That's not what I'm looking for. But to security analyst Bradley Bowman with the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. That sounds so good in Davos, but our, our adversaries hear that as weakness and a green light for aggression. However, Mideast expert John Alterman at the Center for Strategic and International Studies says staying out of a wider war is a key goal, as is helping reach an Israel-Hamas ceasefire, hence the balance. It can't just be about how do you deter the Iranians. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says the president talked this morning with the families of the three soldiers based in Georgia. He was grateful for their time. He expressed to them how proud uh, we all are of their service and gauged their feelings about him going to Dover Air Force Base when the remains returned. All of them uh, supported his presence there. And so the president will be going to the dignified transfer on Friday. The president did the same in 2021 for the 13 troops killed in a suicide blast during America's Afghanistan withdrawal. Sagar Magani, Washington. New wrinkle in Trump's Georgia election case. That and more when America in the Morning continues after these messages. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning on potential storms again in the West today. Here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. The next major storm to impact the United States will be entering the West Coast today, starting first thing this morning from Washington southward to Northern California. This will become heavy quickly on the Northern California and Southern Oregon coasts, 
Rain will also continue to build southward through the San Francisco Bay Area into some of the central valleys of California into this afternoon, and then continue to extend into Southern California and east to the Sierra Nevada tonight into tomorrow with moderate to heavy snow developing in the Sierra Nevada. Rain along the coast will range from two to four inches, and this will cause some flooding concerns with snow up to a foot in the Sierra Nevada by early Wednesday and as much as two feet as the storm wraps up in a few days. Along with the rain and snow, there will also be some gusty winds up to 60 miles per hour with this system. And combined with the rain, that could cause some power outages. So hold on to your hat. Outside of that, the only other organized area of rain and snow is in the Middle Atlantic and Southeast with the storm that dove southward through the Great Lakes yesterday. This will continue to cause rain and snow showers as far north as New Jersey and eastern Pennsylvania early today and extending into the Carolinas where showers will be possible all day. And then the rest of the nation will be fairly quiet. There'll be a good amount of sunshine through the rest of the southeast and continuing through the central and northern plains and westward through the Rockies and westward to that from Idaho to Arizona. This more settled weather will extend into the Great Lakes and northeast as well, albeit with a few more clouds. That's the weather across America. Minneapolis, Minnesota will have plenty of sunshine with a record-crushing high of 55. Raleigh, North Carolina will be chillier with clouds and a few showers and a high of 49. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. There's a key development in a case impacting the top prosecutor in the election interference investigation and former President Trump in Georgia. Correspondent Clayton Neville has the latest. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis was expected to testify in a divorce case involving an alleged affair Willis is said to have had with Nathan Wade. He's the special prosecutor Willis brought in to investigate allegations of election interference by former President Trump and his allies in Trump's 2020 election loss to President Biden. That investigation surrounds a phone call Trump had in 2020 with Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. I just want to find uh, 11,000 780 votes. Trump still claims the election was stolen and maintains that criminal and civil allegations against him are part of a political witch hunt. He pled not guilty to the charges. The Wade divorce case in Georgia is shining a potentially scandalous light on D.A. Willis, but that case was settled this week, essentially meaning Willis will not testify. This is Fulton County officials deal with a cyber attack, but prosecutors insisting the Trump case is not impacted. I'm Clayton Neville. A Florida man accused of killing a retired priest, the priest's sister and his own grandfather was shot to death outside his family's home by police. Correspondent Julie Walker reports. Investigators say 24-year-old Brandon Kappas killed the priest and his sister stole their car and drove to his family's house in Palm Bay for a birthday party where he became disruptive. Police Chief Mario Agello says officers were called to the home. Kappas's grandfather tried to intervene but was shot by the suspect who also shot and wounded two officers. One of our officers tased our suspect, which the taser proved to be ineffective at that moment. The officer was a brief struggle with the officer and the suspect to where the suspect broke free and at which point uh, the shooting began from our suspect. Audio courtesy WFTV, the wounded officers are expected to recover. The police chief says they later found an arsenal of guns in the vehicle Kappas had been driving. I'm Julie Walker. 
Protecting our nation's children online, lawmakers tackle social media when America in the Morning returns after these messages. Back now on America in the Morning, Tesla will be a stock to watch today. After yesterday's closing bell, a Delaware judge voided the $56 billion pay package of CEO Elon Musk, ruling the company's board of directors failed to prove that the compensation plan was fair. Musk's 2018 pay package was at the time the largest compensation in public corporate history. In her ruling, the judge stated that Tesla's board of directors overpaid Musk who, after the verdict, took to another company he owns, X, formerly Twitter, and posted, Never incorporate your company in the state of Delaware. Here's CNBC's Jessica Ettinger with Wednesday Business. Welcome to the last trading day of January. The major averages are on pace for a winning month after a mixed day yesterday. UPS shares tanked on lower package volume in the last quarter. It's cutting 12,000 jobs. Shares tanked after missing revenue expectations and putting out a bleak forecast. It's looking to cut a billion dollars in cost as it comes off what executives described as a difficult and disappointing year. UPS is cutting 12,000 jobs. CNBC's Kate Rooney. Microsoft, the most valuable company on earth, out with better than expected quarterly results last night after the closing bell. We're just looking at the numbers, but since its IPO, it's up 400,000%. <laughs> total return since its IPO 38 years ago, it's 675,000%. So I'm not going to say $3 trillion is, is the top in Microsoft. CNBC's Mike Santoli. Alphabet, not so much. It reported an ad sales slowdown at Google. Starbucks is out with results that show disappointing sales outside of the U.S. The Fed announces a decision on interest rates 2 p.m. Eastern this afternoon. It's widely expected to hold them steady. I think they are going to try and walk a very fine line between not ruling March out as a live meeting for a rate cut and not absolutely locking it in as a meeting for a rate cut. I think they're going to try and keep it live. I think they're going to try and keep their options open. You know, we've got a couple of really big data points between now and that meeting, and so they're not going to want to be too definitive. New York Times economic reporter Gina Smilek on CNBC. Consumers sure like those lower prices at the pump. And in grocery stores, consumer confidence is at its highest in about three years. Consumer confidence, this is from the conference board, January numbers. Headline expected at 114.8, and that's exactly what we had. And that happens to be the best level since Dece of 2021. CNBC's Rick Santelli. With today's action on Capitol Hill, we may see some changes in social media. Yeah, lawmakers are threatening to hold social media companies accountable for harm done to kids online. Executives from Facebook and Instagram parent Meta, TikTok, Snap Parent Snapchat, and Discord will be on Capitol Hill to face questioning. This hearing is going to be a bombshell because the major leaders of the tech titans will be there and we're going to ask tough questions with documents that we have to show that they have disregarded their responsibility to protect children. Connecticut Senator Richard Blumenthal on CNBC. Also on today's watch list, we get earnings from Boeing. We get a read on private sector hiring for the month from ADP. And the Fed will announce its decision on interest rates at 2 p.m. Eastern, followed by a news conference from Fed Chair Jay Powell. Thank you, CNBC's Jessica Edinger. 
When we return on America in the Morning, package delivery man poser charged with murder after these messages. We're back. This is America in the Morning. A Minnesota man who posed as a package delivery driver has been charged in a horrifying home invasion murder. Correspondent Jennifer King reports. Alonzo Pierre Mingo is charged with three counts of second-degree murder and jailed on a $5 million bond. Police say video footage shows three people left Mingo's vehicle on Friday, two dressed as delivery drivers and one holding a cardboard box as they approached a home in Coon Rapids, a suburb of Minneapolis. Mingo is alleged to have worn a UPS-style uniform as he is seen on home surveillance, pointing a gun at a man and a woman and demanding money. After receiving an emergency call, police found Shannon Youngworth, her son and husband, dead with gunshot wounds to the head, two young children were also in the house. Evidence collected includes a UPS delivery uniform, top and vest, and a backpack in Mingo's vehicle, and his fingerprints on the cardboard box brought into the home. A UPS spokesperson says Mingo was a seasonal employee, but only worked for the company for a short time. Prosecutors say they plan to seek a sentence that goes above Minnesota guidelines due to the aggravating factors in the case. I'm Jennifer King. If you can't find your car, it might be under eight feet of snow. Anchorage, Alaska received another foot of snow in the past three days, adding to the now 100 inches of the white stuff that's fallen around the state's most populated city. The record for snow in Anchorage is just under 135 inches. And so far this year, they're on pace to smash that set in 2012. It's also bone-chilling cold with the daytime high in Anchorage expected to be just three degrees below zero. America in the Morning for Wednesday, January 31st, 2024 is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Coming up this half hour. The U.S. House Speaker reportedly not optimistic about a national security deal getting through the Senate. I'm Clayton Neville. What will be the response for that fatal drone strike that killed Americans in Jordan? We know that Iran funds these groups. I'm Linda Kenyon in Washington. Ohio could begin nitrogen gas executions under a bill backed by the state's attorney general. I'm Shelley Adler. President Biden heads to sunny Florida to soak up some campaign cash. I'm Jennifer King. Fire crews have found the burned remnants of a prized bronze statue of baseball icon Jackie Robinson I'm Norman Hall. Entertainer Cheetah Rivera has died after a brief illness. I'm Archie Zaraleta with a look at her career. Back after these messages. America in the Morning is back, but our warmer temperatures. Here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. Except for the southeast, the entire nation is looking at temperatures well above historical average, with portions of the northern plains likely to break records by several degrees. Once again, highs will reach well into the 50s and 60s in parts of southern Minnesota, westward to Montana. The reason the southeast will be a little bit cooler is due to that storm that dove southward through the Great Lakes yesterday. This will continue to cause rain and snow showers as far north as New Jersey and eastern Pennsylvania early today and extending into the Carolinas where showers will be possible all day. That storm will be shifting offshore this afternoon. 
There will be a good amount of sunshine through the rest of the southeast and continuing into the central and northern plains and then westward through the Rockies and westward from that, from Arizona to Idaho. This more settled weather will also extend into the Great Lakes and northeast, albeit with more clouds in the area. Farther west, the next major storm to hit the U.S. will be entering the west coast. It will start first thing this morning from Washington southward to Northern California. It will become quickly heavy along the Northern California and Southern Oregon coasts. Rain will also continue to build southward through the San Francisco Bay Area into some of the central valleys of California into this afternoon, and then continue to extend south from that into Southern California and eastward to the Sierra Nevada tonight into tomorrow with moderate to heavy snow developing in the Sierra Nevada. Rain along the coast will range from 2 to 4 inches, and that will cause some flooding concerns with snow up to a foot in the Sierra Nevada by early Wednesday and as much as 2 feet once the storm wraps up in a few days. Along with the rain and snow, there will also be some gusty winds up to 60 miles per hour with this system, and that could lead to some power outages. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. Remember, you can follow us everywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. There's a potential snag in an immigration deal on Capitol Hill. Correspondent Clayton Neville reports some in Washington are questioning the reasons for the continued stall in getting a bill passed through Congress. A deal would boost aid to Ukraine as its war continues with Russia. It would reportedly also include protections at the American southern border, as Republicans have pushed for. In fact, President Biden said the bill that's being considered, if passed, would be the toughest and fairest set of immigration reforms in American history. He said it would give him a new emergency authority to shut down the border when it becomes overwhelmed. He said he would use it the day he signs the bill into law. This is the divide between state and federal officials at the Texas-Mexico border grows wider and litigation lingers in the courts. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton says the state's still pursuing its case surrounding the state's laying of razor wire at the border as a deterrent to illegal immigration. We still haven't litigated the actual merits of the case. That fight is not over and we're not done. So we will continue to try to make our case. A recent Supreme Court ruling allows the federal government to remove Texas's razor wire. The Biden administration calls that wire inhumane. Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick says the state has no plans to do anything different. The Supreme Court didn't say we had to take down the wire. They just said they, the Border Patrol could cut it. They didn't say we couldn't patch it. They didn't say we couldn't replace it. They, they didn't say we could, couldn't add more. And uh, so that's what we're doing. The lieutenant governor spoke with KLIF News Radio in Dallas. Since that order came down Friday, the Border Patrol already said when I left there Friday afternoon, uh, before I before I got off the tarmac, the report came in. Border Patrol said they weren't going to cut the wire. While Republicans say implementing stricter immigration policies at the southern border could slow a surge of migration right away, President Biden believes it's Congress that has to make the fix. And House Speaker Mike Johnson reportedly said this week that the bill in the Senate has no way forward and is dead. Seemingly a pause in momentum. And some pointing to former President Donald Trump for that. The current frontrunner in the race for the presidency has said that America doesn't need the legislation, suggesting he'll be reelected and put Trump-era immigration policies back in place. Now questions emerging. If Republicans like Speaker Johnson are tanking the border deal to allow Trump to further push immigration on the campaign trail, the Speaker adamantly denies that that's what's going on. I'm Clayton Neville. The Biden administration is weighing its response after a drone strike killed three American service members in Jordan. Correspondent Linda Kenyon has the story from Washington. 
Houthi rebels and other Iranian-backed militants have been attacking commercial and military vessels in the Red Sea amid the war between Israel and Hamas. But Iran-backed militants also have attacked U.S. troops in the Middle East. Three such attacks since Sunday, more than 160 since October. Sunday's fatal attack on the Tower 22 base in Jordan was the first one to lead to the deaths of American service members. Several others were seriously injured. President Biden told reporters Tuesday he has decided on a response to that drone attack. And while he hasn't made the decision public, he does say... I do hold responsible in the sense of supplying the weapons to the people of Jordan. President saying he holds Iran responsible, while White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said, expect a multi-pronged response. It's very possible that uh, what you'll see is um, is a, uh, a, a tiered approach here, uh, not, not just a single action, but potentially multiple actions. Shortly thereafter, the Qatab Hezbollah announced it would suspend attacks on U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria. The American service members killed in Sunday's drone strike are identified as Sergeant William Rivers of Willingboro, New Jersey, Specialist Kennedy Saunders of Waycross, Georgia, and Specialist Brianna Moffitt of Savannah, Georgia. Sanders and Moffitt received posthumous promotions to the rank of sergeant. Kennedy Sanders' mother, Oneida, was coping with the loss of her daughter. So all of these different things that she had plans for that, you know, just cut short in the blink of an eye. Oneida Sanders was one of the family members who spoke with President Biden Tuesday. Admiral Kirby described the conversation. He expressed to them how proud uh, we all are of their service, um, how we mourn and feel feel sorrow over their loss. Kirby says the president sought their input about whether they would want him to be at the Dover Air Force Base when the remains of their fallen loved ones are returned home. He also uh, gauged uh, their feelings about him going to the dignified transfer in Dover on Friday. Uh, All of them uh, supported his presence there. This dignified transfer could signify a new chapter as the U.S. vows a response at a time and manner of its choosing. Linda Kenyon, Washington. Israeli forces used disguises to launch a raid on suspected Palestinian terrorists in a West Bank hospital. As correspondent Charles de Ledesma reports, ceasefire talks continue, but significant gaps remain with the U.S., Qatar, and Egypt involved. The undercover forces dressed up as women and medical workers to storm a hospital in the West Bank, killing three Palestinian militants. The raid underscores the spillover of deadly violence to the territory during the war in Gaza. The Palestinian Health Ministry condemned Tuesday's incursion on the hospital in Jenin. The Israeli military says the militants were using the hospital as a hideout and that one was planning an attack. Meanwhile, Gata, Egypt and the US are working to strike a deal between Israel and Hamas that might lead to a pause in fighting and the release of hostages held in Gaza. After 114 days, part of me says the world has not done nearly enough because we still have 136 people sitting hostage in terrible conditions in Gaza. That being said, it does feel like all parties are leaning in right now, and we as parents of a hostage just say, keep going, don't let this be another false start, 
get this over the finish line. It's a tentative sign of progress on a potential agreement that could see Israel pause military operations against Hamas in exchange for the release of remaining hostages. However, the statement from Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's office on the ceasefire talks did not say what the significant gaps were. There was no immediate statement from other parties too. I'm Charles Tulladesma. When we return on America in the Morning, the latest state to consider nitrogen gas executions after these messages. America in the Morning continues. I'm John Trout. Following Alabama, Ohio could begin nitrogen gas executions under a bill backed by the state's attorney general. Correspondent Shelley Adler reports. Alabama used it last week, and now Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost is supporting a legislative effort that would bring nitrogen gas executions to the state. Ohio hasn't executed anyone since 2018. In 2020, Republican Governor Mike DeWine declared lethal injections no longer an option, citing a federal judge's ruling that the protocol could cause inmates severe pain and needless suffering. State Representative Bryant Stewart, one of the bill's sponsors, said the legislation would give condemned inmates a choice between lethal injection and nitrogen gas. He added it would require nitrogen gas to be used if lethal injection drugs are not available. I'm Shelley Adler. New York's governor signs legislation expanding the legal definition of rape in the Empire State. Correspondent Julie Walker has that story. It's about aligning the letter of the law with the pain in their hearts. It's about calling out violent, horrific acts for what they are, so survivors can reclaim their power and dignity. And it's about backing them with the full force of our justice system, so those who commit rape are charged accordingly. Governor Kathy Hochul says the new definition of rape does away with an outdated, narrow one that didn't keep up with the times we live in and puts the full force of the justice system behind survivors. I'm signing a bill that broadens the definition of rape to include additional forms of sexual violence. These are acts we, we would commonly accept as rape, but until now have fallen outside the legal definition. The Democrat says E. Jean Carroll's civil rape case against Donald Trump is an example. New York's archaic laws define rape in very narrow terms. Physical technicalities confuse jurors and humiliate survivors and create a legal gray area that defendants exploit. Carol calling it rape, the former president denying anything happened. The jury finding him liable for a lesser degree of sexual abuse. The judge saying that decision was based on the narrow technical meaning. Julie Walker, New York. President Biden will travel to Donald Trump's backyard to reel in some campaign cash, correspondent Jennifer King reports. Biden is attending campaign receptions with wealthy donors in Jupiter, Florida and Miami on the home turf of his likely Republican opponent, Donald Trump. Biden's been targeting Trump in hopes of turning the 2024 election into a referendum in a state that was once considered a swing state, but now has swung right. Registration records show Republicans have an 800,000 voter margin, which includes many new Midwestern retirees and Hispanic voters. Republicans recently ousted their state party chair after he got caught up in a sex scandal. The new chair, Evan Power, says Biden 
Biden can keep visiting Florida all he wants, but they look forward to retiring him and his administration in November. The Florida Democratic Party has been plagued by disorganization, including unpaid medical insurance bills in 2020, a voter registration slide, and a trouncing in the 2022 election. But new party chair Nikki Freed says the state is in play. Proposals to restrict abortion and legalize marijuana could be on the ballot, driving up turnout among left-leaning voters. I'm Jennifer King. Fire crews have found the burned remains of a prized bronze statue of baseball icon Jackie Robinson, stolen last week from a public park in Kansas. Correspondent Norman Hall reports. Authorities in Wichita say pieces of a Jackie Robinson statue were found when firefighters responded to a trash can fire. The statue, which was cut at the figure's ankles, had been missing since Thursday. It honors Robinson as the first player to break Major League Baseball's color barrier in 1947. Robinson played for the Kansas City Monarchs of the Negro Leagues before joining the Brooklyn Dodgers. The head of the Little League nonprofit that commissioned the $50,000 artwork says the theft would be even more concerning if the crime was racially motivated. I, Norman Hall. Sci-fi has become reality once again as the first brain-computer interface has been activated in human trials. Here's Chuck Palm with that in today's tech news. Elon Musk's Neuralink company has its first brain chip implant. Musk, saying in a post on X, said the initial results show promising neuron spike detection. Spikes are activity by neurons which National Institute of Health describes as cells that use electrical chemical signals to send information around the brain to the body. The FDA gave the company clearance last year to conduct its first trial to test its implant on humans, a critical milestone in the company's ambitions to help patients overcome paralysis and a host of neurological conditions. Neuralink stated that the initial goal would be to help people move a cursor or a keyboard using their thoughts alone. Musk also said on X later in the day, the first version of this would be called telepathy. Most major tech stocks reporting down this week, except for AI software or chip manufacturers. Bitcoin down 1.5% to 42,800, Ethereum up 1% to 2,340. For more tech news, visit allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. And with a check of Wednesday sports on America in the morning, here's our Robert Workman. NBA, the Knicks win their eighth straight, 118-103 over the Jazz. Dante DiVincenzo hit nine three-pointers on the way to 33 points. There's a joy that we have with our team right now. Um, everybody celebrate one another, but also everybody's holding each other accountable. New York finished January 14-2, their most wins in a month since March 1994. Celtics turned back the Pacers. Jason Tatum had a game-high 30 points, plus two big block shots in the last 30 seconds. Raptors ripped the Bulls to snap a five-game slide. Hawks hammered the Lakers, and the Warriors whacked the Sixers 37 for Steph Curry. Joel Embiid re-injured his left knee for Philadelphia. Two top five upsets in college basketball last night. Nathan George's layup with seven seconds left lifted Georgia Tech past number three North Carolina 74-73. That's the Jackets' third win over a ranked team this year. And number five Tennessee lost at home to South Carolina 63-59. NHL, the Blue Jackets blanked the Blues 1-0, 21 saves for Elvis Merlikens. Dmitry Voronkov's third period goal was the difference maker, ending a five-game winning streak for the Note. And the Sharks shut out the crack and 2-0. This one was also scoreless into the third, Mackenzie Blackwood stopped 32 shots. Baseball new ownership is coming to the Orioles. The Angelos family has reportedly accepted an offer from two private equity billionaires worth $1.725 billion. And World Series MVP Corey Seager had surgery on a sports hernia yesterday. The Rangers hope their star shortstop will be ready for opening day. That's Wednesday Sports. Thank you, Robert. When we return on America in the Morning, streaming show breaks record and the passing of a Broadway legend. Back after these messages. 
Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. Entertainer Cheetah Rivera, an actress, dancer, and singer who has nearly seven decades of credits on Broadway, has died after a brief illness. She was 91. Entertainment correspondent Margie Zaraleta takes a look at her career. Cheetah Rivera jumped into the public eye when she played Anita in the original production of West Side Story. I like to be in America. Okay, by me in America. Everything free in America. For a small fee in America. Okay. She also originated the role of Velma in Chicago. Come on, baby, why don't we paint the town? And all that jazz, I'm gonna lose my knees and roll my stuff. Rivera won two Tony Awards for The Rink and Kiss of the Spider Woman. Rivera said in an AP interview last April, she thought of herself as Dolores while the world knew Cheetah. She's the one that has been taking all the glory, you know. She's been um, <laughs> she's been doing all the shows. And, but Dolores is the one that's pushed her into it. I'm Margie Zaraleta. A recent hit broke the record for the top streaming shows of last year. And the winner is presented by our Kevin Carr. Nielsen has announced the top streaming shows of 2023. Suits led the year with 57.7 billion minutes watched. That beats the record of 57.1 billion minutes the office set during COVID. Other big shows and acquired content included Bluey, NCIS, and Grey's Anatomy. The Big Bang Theory and Friends also made the top 10. Most of these series had hundreds of episodes to stream. Only one, Coco Melon, had well less than 100 episodes. When it comes to original series, Apple's Ted Lasso took the top spot with 16.9 billion minutes watched. For me, success is not about the wins and losses. The Night Agent and Ginny and Georgia, both Netflix titles, took the second and third spots. In fact, most shows on the list were from Netflix, except The Mandalorian on Disney Plus and Jack Ryan on Prime. To dumb indeed. Movies were dominated by animation with Moana at number one. What can I say except you're welcome? In Kanto, the Super Mario Brothers movie and Minions The Rise of Gru were in the top five, as well as Elemental, which actually struggled at the box office this summer. Why does anyone get to tell you what you can do in your life? Children's movies topped the list because kids rewatch them, sometimes on a daily basis. There's nothing new about series doing well long after their initial broadcast. For example, shows like Mama's Family and Charles in Charge were most popular in syndication and reruns. I'm Kevin Carr. That's our show this Wednesday. America in the Morning for January 31st, 2024 is produced by Jeff McKay, senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout on the Westwood One Radio Network. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.